What's good on a Thursday, everybody? It's the Go Figure Podcast, episode 40. Excited to be here, Leo Cannell and my man, Mr. Ty, Ty Talbot. Ty, what's going on? How are we doing? Doing well. Doing yeah. well. It's a great Thursday. Yeah. Just happy to be here. Excited. That's good. That's good. Anything uh, fun, big going on this summer? What you got going on? Hopefully just playing a lot of golf. We're yeah. uh, going to Island Park, taking the whole family to a cabin up there, Jake's Cabin. So That's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. Island Park uh, up there, right there by Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yellowstone right there on that Idaho-Wyoming border. Well, my friends, we have a fun episode for you today. We know a lot of the audience here is part of that business finance space, maybe uh, in some of, some of our business funding programs, or maybe you you have your own business finance brokerage or, or business loan broker business, or you're looking to build one up, or you're a small business owner entrepreneur looking to grow your business. And today we're going to tackle a topic that is kind of an unknown topic, and it's really about the number one secret about business funding that most people are not aware of, and it's something we talk about all the time with our clients, with uh, those we're training in Funding CEO Academy, and it's called ROL. It's really the number one reason or secret about business funding that most people don't take into account when even considering whether it's worth taking out a loan, a line of credit, a credit card for their business. So that's going to be our headline and money topic for today. What's on the mindset agenda, Ty? Yeah, mindset. This is going to be a fun one. Why talk? Uh, why being unreasonably optimistic will change absolutely everything in your business and your personal life. Amen. And I remember when I was the opposite of unreasonably optimistic and things were not going so well in life. So that's a, a great mindset value principle that we're going to talk about today that can lead to success in all areas of your life. And our mastery topic for today is going to be about creating an amazing product. And probably when you think about, what do you think about when you think about the best products in the world? You know, Apple, Nike, Under Armour. Yeah. Agreed. Apple, Nike, Under Armour, I mean, Google. These are some of the best products out there. And at the top of the list, in terms of tangible Looking at a beautiful, clean product, I oftentimes will think, you know, about Apple, an iPhone, an Apple Mac computer, an Apple Watch, all of these things. And it's when we tell you all the secrets about Apple, the money behind them, the success, I mean, it is extraordinary what Steve Jobs built out in Apple. Uh, it's going to blow you away. So I'm excited about that. That's our product mastery section. Absolutely. And then the sports section. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a, a weird way to say this, but uh, I didn't know how else to say it, Leo. It's the top five, top five NFL player cores. So the, the oh. NFL team's top five players and the five best NFL team's top fives. So, so basically, which NFL teams have the top five core players exactly. that are going to lead to success? Because you're only as good as your top players, your team, your leaders. And so that's going to be a very fascinating topic. I'm excited. I don't even know what to expect uh, on that. I've got, I've got some a few ideas, but that's going to be a fun one to jump into as well. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. 
So let's jump into topic number one. This is our money section here. The number one secret about, about business funding, ROL, the first thing that we think about when ROL is ROI, right? Return on investment and how that works. And when you're looking at like an investment, uh, for example, you know, you had this property that you just uh, recently sold. It was a property that you guys put some time and money into. And as you looked at that, what were your ROI parameters and, and how does ROI work in that example? Yeah, I mean, ROI, obviously, when we talk about return on investment, we broke it down with, with a property like this. We knew that it would be paying for itself every single month. It wasn't extremely cash flow positive, but it was in an area that we knew was growing like crazy. So we knew the property would appreciate. And so we said, look, I, I had a couple, I had two different partners on it. And realistically, Leo, when you break it down, I think I said like 100% or something like that last episode. I, I did the math and said, you know what? I had partners on this, so I only actually had to put $20,000 into the property. Okay. We all put twenty k down, um, and then that twenty k here, hopefully in the next 24 to 48 hours, I'm actually going to get $95,000 back in a Are little bit. Are you kidding less than me? Three years. That is a sick return. So basically, you put 20 in, and you get 95 out over a three-year period. So the ROI on that is essentially almost 500% return. Yeah. Almost. It's yep. like 400 and, you know, 75% return there. So a 475% return, we break that down over three years. I mean, you're doing, you're doing over 155% per year. Not to mention the dozen times we went down there because it's a hot vacation yeah. spot here in Utah and we would have gone down and paid for an Airbnb anyway. So um, yeah, it, it turned out to be a really, really good project for us. So I'm glad you brought that up. So 155% return on the money that you put into it is the ROI. Now, ROL is very similar and ROL breaks down into return on loan, return on line of credit, right? So it's like if I'm a business owner and I'm starting a business and I know I need fifty dollars or $60,000 to get that business off the ground and I take out fifty dollars or $60,000 in a loan or a line of credit, then my return on loan or return on line of credit is going to tell me whether it makes sense to take out a loan or line of credit for the business. Maybe where it doesn't is if you start a business that you don't know if you you have it figured out, you maybe don't have proof of concept, but as long as you have proof of concept or you're you know buying a franchise or you have someone teaching you how to run the business who's done that type of business, as long as you can make a good return off of that loan or line of credit, that it makes sense to take it out. Now, I remember, and, and we did an, uh, a short segment about this a while ago where someone asked Mark Cuban, you know, hey, how can entrepreneurs build businesses? Should they take out a loan to start a business? And Mark Cuban was on CNBC, and he says only a moron would do that. And, you know, what are, what are your thoughts? What have we seen in real terms in our own businesses and others where that's not, not necessarily true? I mean, my take on it is Mark Cuban is so used to having money now that he's totally forgotten about the life of not having that initial lump sum of cash to be able to start a business. Because you look at it in, in this just this last project we were just talking about of mine, Leo, it was literally $20,000 I had to put out there. And imagine if I didn't have that $20,000 and I found a five-year term loan at even if it was 19.99 over the five-year term, that's 19.99 on $20,000 that is now worth $95,000. That is a phenomenal ROL, return on that loan that I say I didn't have the $20,000, I would have just thrown, what would that be, $70,000 down the drain? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. You'd have taken out a loan for 20. Let's say you paid 20% interest on that and you paid 25 or, oh my goodness, what if you paid 30,000, right? So you paid, you took out a loan for 20, you had to pay back 30. So your cost is $10,000 of interest plus the $20,000 loan. So you're paying 30 back, but you would have made 95 minus 30. You would have made $65,000 and you actually would have just gotten a loan. So would you have won? Big time. Big time, huge return. So it's basically like you take a loan out for twenty, and you bring ninety five back. Like that's just a great return. And even with a thirty thousand dollar total payback, like you're making a huge return on that money. And if you didn't have the money and you had to take it out, then that would have made sense to do all day and twice on Sunday. And that's where people get lost. And that's where ideas. Dave Ramsey is right. You don't go into debt. To buy shit, like that doesn't make you money. But if you can go into debt with a greater return on mind in a proven system like a property that's in an area that's growing, that's right by Las Vegas, that's warm, that has all these amazing golf courses where you bought that one, then your odds of winning are tremendous. And that's why ROL is so important. And so then let's say, for example, uh, you're actually in the business finance industry and you're trying to talk to a client about this. And they get all caught up. Oh, my word, this interest rate, the best interest rate I can qualify for is 25%. I've had got some late payments. Uh, my bank account doesn't have a ton of money in it. The business uh, isn't well established. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to pay 20 or maybe I'm going to get a 0% interest uh, card stack. But geez, it's going to cost me an 8 or 9% success fee. I don't think I can afford that. And so if you're in the business finance space, how do you like articulate this to a business owner? Yeah, I think it's a a matter of helping that business owner understand that ROL well before you ever get to the point where you're pitching your fees or you're pitching the cost of funding. You help them by asking the right questions. You know, what kind of margins are you working with? If you got $20,000 and put this into leads, what are you going to expect to make out of that? So now you have all this fuel. So if you get to the end and they balk at 8%, you say, wait, hang on a minute. This $20,000 was going to turn into $100,000 for you but you're tripping out over $1,500 in success fees, explain that, right? So it's a matter of getting to those numbers before you're ever dropping the cost, and it's the easiest sell in the world. And the thing, the key point that you just made there is you ask them the question, and then you shut up. If you tell someone how this works, then it may or may not register. They may or may not be able to process it, but you ask them, Hey, you know, with this $25,000 loan or or card stack or funding we're getting you, or it's $50,000, $100,000, what do you expect to make on it over the next year? And I'll I'll almost always say, too, you know, successful business owners are going to make 100 to 150% on this money typically within the next year. What do you expect to make? And then I'll shut up and listen. And nine times out of 10, yeah, I expect to make 200% return with this business, maybe 300% as I put that money in marketing, employees, a website, equipment, whatever it is they need, or a real estate project like you just mentioned. And it's like, great. Well, if you're going to make, let's call it, a hundred percent and it costs you nine percent the money costs you nine percent and you're going to pay it back as zero percent interest for the next 18 months then are you going to win what's a hundred minus nine oh it's 91 percent. that's a good rol right or if it's oh my goodness you know i have to get this loan because i've got a bunch of maxed out credit cards it's 25 percent interest rate but i'm going to make 150 percent on the loan well what's 150 minus 25 well that's 125 percent return on the loan are you winning? And then I'll just shut up and be like, 
Oh, yeah, I guess I am winning. And if you didn't take this loan out, would you make that money? And then I'll shut up. I'll be like, uh, no, I would not. Great. And so that's, that's key, I think, to sales, especially financial sales, is it's really a logical thing. And if you can just ask them those questions and get them to process it, they're going to win. But ROL, a big factor in whether you should take a loan out or if you're selling money to someone as well. All right, guys, our next subject here, the mindset segment, is why being unreasonably optimistic will change everything. I'll just paint you guys a picture. So this is the 0809 recession, and you know I'm seeing difficulty everywhere. Real estate investments aren't working out. My business isn't working out, and I'm complaining. I'm whining. It's always someone else's fault, and literally for maybe two or three years there, times were tough and it was always someone else. I was not accountable. And when you act like that, failure is just going to encircle you. And I think what's interesting is if you look at the population, like what would you estimate the population is made up of in terms of optimistic people versus pessimistic people? Where do you think that that breaks down in in today's world? I mean, I would definitely say more than half of the population is is pessimistic or has the survival mindset. They're, they're just doing what they do to get by. They're not out there to try and conquer or achieve more, which I, I would kind of rope that into the, the pessimistic side of things. What, what, do you know the math on it? I, I don't. I think it's kind of an, there's a lot of different studies, and, and I think you're right. I think it is the majority, whether it's 51%, whether it's 60%. And you think about it, the stories that sell, if it bleeds it leads is what they talk about in the news, right? So the news media are always sharing almost always negative stories. And so everybody has this perception that the world we live in is a negative world. The government's bad. People are bad. Corporations are bad, 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 bad. So you have all this negative connotation. And then when things go wrong in someone's personal life, then it's so easy to pass the buck off. Well, Um, And and then you look at things like uh, what politicians are talking about now. Well, if you were born, you know, of this race or whatever, then everything's stacked against you and you're going to fail. Or if you were born this, that way, you know, in poverty, you are going to fail. The the system's stacked against you. And yet you look at all these stories of people who have achieved enormous success. The majority of them didn't grow up wealthy. They didn't have it easy but there was something about a principle that they lived by where they were just so unreasonably optimistic. Steve Jobs called it, uh, people called it in Steve Jobs' biography, the reality distortion field. And he had this reality distortion field where we can do these things that people think are impossible. And when you have that mindset, it leads to success. And so, for example, I remember being on a phone call with a client and he's like, I need $22,000 to do this business or I can't do it. And we applied at four different lenders and he was approved for one at 9000 And another one declined him and the other two were still pending. And he's like, it's done. I'm not going to get the money. I am so upset. I'm going to give you a one-star review. And I said, hold on. You still have two pending lenders. If you call those and one approves for ten to 15000 you can do your business. Oh, I guess that's true. Hey, if you call these two lenders, I guarantee you, you've got a great shot at getting that money. He called one, they gave him 17. He ended up with like $26,000, was able to get the business off the ground. And so there's this mentality that you can live by and you can literally turn the half of the population or more than half that are pessimistic around. And if they start living by that principle, and if you start living by that principle, good things will happen. One of your favorite books, one of mine too, is How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
And in that book, Dale Carnegie talks about not complaining, not criticizing, not condemning people. And when, what do you think are the effects if people actually implement that in their lives? It's, they're just going to be significantly happier and they're going to look at the world as a much better place. I, I, as you were talking about this, it's one of the core things that you always say when, when someone's bringing you a problem or an employee's concerned about something, you always say, do your best, forget the rest. And that right there in and of itself, like if you can live by that mentality, do your best, that's literally all you can do, but you've got to actually do your best. You can't half ass it and say, oh, I did my best, forget about it. If you genuinely do, genuinely do your best, then you have nothing to worry about. You did everything you could. Now it's time to move on and, and quit bitching about whatever it is that just occurred. And it, it, we talked a lot about this in the last ep- episode where it's you know developing that growth mindset. And if you can develop that growth mindset, then you will become an optimistic person and you will bring others up that are around you. Exactly. And then that's what's so powerful, right? When you have an unreasonably optimistic mindset of, hey, there's problems, there's always going to be problems, but I'm going to choose to focus on the solutions. I'm going to react against adversity with an optimistic outlook, not in a way where I'm being like naive to the reality of how difficult a situation might be, but I'm going to control what I can control. Do your best, forget the rest. And if I do that, then I can live with the results that follow. And the problem is, like you say, in today's society, it's so good to say, well, I did my best one. Well, did, did you really? Did you really? Did you do your best? Did you read the books? Did you ask the questions? Did you, you know, go through programs? Did you watch the YouTube video? Did you go learn from a mentor, someone who's further down the road? If you did everything possible, then you'll always find a way to win. But if you didn't, and then you lie to yourself that you did do your best, and that's where I think you get into trouble. And when you turn this mindset on, you can turn your team around, you can turn your clients around, you can turn your family, and everybody will, instead of having this whining, complaining mindset that leads to failure, it's not very attractive, into a, I can do it, I'm going to focus on the solutions, I'm going to do everything possible to win, I'm going to keep, you know, not only outwork you, but I'm going to out-improve you, I'm going to out-strategize you, I'm going to outlast you, and if you do those things, your, your odds for success go way up. And I think that's so important as leaders, Leo, because emotions are infectious. And if you want to have a positive culture for your business, for your workplace, it starts at the top with the leaders. Because if someone comes in today feeling very down and very negative, and I sit there and I start to bitch and complain with them, that's going to do absolutely nothing. But if I keep that positive attitude and I can uplift that person, then it's it's a ripple effect. And so it, it starts with you as leaders, even if you have to fake it early on, your emotions are infectious and they will infect your team for the, the good or the bad. Amen. Let's move into our mastery segment here, product mastery. Why are Apple products so impressive? And before we tap into this, like these numbers are crazy. I was checking and I wanted to see, well, what did Apple do from a financial perspective as a company in 2022? And so according to their public numbers in terms of their sales, their sales and revenue around the globe were $394 billion in 2022. And what's most incredible was their profits. Their profits, their net income in 2022, almost $100 billion, $99.8 billion in net profits, which puts their margins at 25%, which is simply, simply remarkable to have that kind of profit margins and financial power. And then uh, you ask a good question. You're like, well, what's the, uh, what was the question you asked about this? Yeah, I was just curious. Based on the statistics in the United States only, 
what percentage of smartphone users have an Apple phone compared to an Android. And what's crazy is, you know, this is actually, looking at it now, it's, it's very, very impressive. But truth be told, I would have thought it was higher. It's, it's 57%. 57% of smartphone users have iPhones. But my argument, Leo, was if you, draw, if you change that stat to smartphone users under the age of 50, I would bet that goes up to about 70, 75%. Oh, yeah. You look at our office, there's 25 of us in here right now. One person doesn't have an iPhone. So, I mean, it's obviously a small sam- sample size, but they are completely dominating an entire industry, and it's, it's very impressive. It is, and, and my kids are, are ages 6 to 20, the, our, you know, our five kids, and I can't, I think probably 95% plus of the other kids that they're associated with, they all have Apple products, iPhones, et cetera, et cetera. And so it is remarkable how much power Apple has, especially with the younger generation. And then you've got Apple TV, which is doing you know, pretty well and, and just had the amazing uh, Ted Lasso series come to an end. It's funny, I was talking to, to Jill and Marcus, and they were both crying on that last episode. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, was, uh, it was a great, great show, and, and Apple's got some cool things coming out there. But, yeah, it's just remarkable. So what is it about Apple products that make them so compelling and so powerful and so viral? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing, especially early on, was the sleek, minimalistic, modern appeal oh, yeah. of the device itself. People wanted that. People not only wanted it, but they wanted to be seen with it. You were cool if you had an iPod Color. You were cool if you had the iPod Nano, then the the watch, then the iPod, whatever it may be. You looked and felt better if you had Apple products on you. No question about it. And so it's almost, it's a status thing. Oh, yeah. A lot of what human psychology is, people do things almost always to increase their status. Yeah, they might do it because it's going to be good financially for them. They might be do it because they think it's going to be a good product. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to make decisions based on what's going to increase my status. And so Apple has done a great job of tying their product to a status and almost like a mindset, a way of living. Like if you're, it goes back to this commercial, and we put this, uh, we put this on the Seven Figures Accelerator Education Program that we made. Remember, we were sitting there in that uh, conference room uh, with Andy and and Rod and and Jake and those guys, and we showed them that uh, that commercial. Dave, Dave was there, I think, too. And it was that one uh, where you know we are the the crazy ones who oh, believe yeah. we can do things that others can. It was showing, you know, Martin, uh, you know, amazing people throughout history. Whether it was uh, um, Einstein, was Einstein there. was on there, and and just these amazing people throughout history. And it's like, hey, we're the crazy ones. We're the the ones that think we can do things where others give up. And so it was this whole community, this mindset, this way of being. And that's uh, what Steve Jobs started Apple off as. And now as you look into the future, and it's really gone to a whole nother step there, a whole nother, another segment, and it's a community, right? And But the thing that's remarkable, I think, about Apple products is how interconnected they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the ecosystem that, that they've developed where your watch talks to your phone, which talks to your computer, and you don't have to worry about trying to, uh, you know, connect my, I don't have to pull out my phone to check my text messages. I don't have to go through my watch to see my stats when I do a workout. They're all 
communicating to one another. And some people are like, oh, I don't want to give all that information away and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? They're going to get it one way or another. And, you know, even more shocking, Leo, not everyone is bad. Not everyone is out to get you people. Maybe they can actually utilize the information they're getting to help you and or make your life better. And I think Apple is one that, that actually does do that in a lot of ways. Exactly. They take privacy very seriously. Even when you were like a, a terrorist, they're like, we're not going to break open the iPhone for you. And maybe they should have, but they're like, hey, we have this concept of privacy and, and our, our customers and clients are everything to us. So we're going to keep it private. And at the end of the day, would you rather share all your information with the government, which pretty much already has it anyway, or a corporation that is actually doing everything possible to deliver a better result in your life. And so for me, you know, I, I like to go running sometimes and it's so nice to be able to just connect my Apple watch right up to uh, the internet, wherever I'm running and I can stream any podcast or any book without having to do anything or without having to run with my phone. So that was huge. It's huge when you can start texting on your computer, you're sitting there at your workspace and people are texting you. And instead of having to pull out your phone and, and do a little uh, text with your thumbs, well, I can type up messages uh, lightning fast on my computer because it connects together. And just the way they interconnect in that ecosystem makes your life so or, much better. How about when you get a new device? Right, you literally touch the the two backs of the phones together, and all of a sudden, your new phone is set up exactly like your old one, and it's like the easiest process in the world. That is not how it worked when I had Android phones. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. ever. Oh, and and these goggles. This is exciting. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on this? Uh, So it's a new thirty-five hundred dollar headset. It's a VR headset, but it's more than VR. What else can it do? Well, they. Apple, they're saying, you know, this is not a, a gaming device. This this device can literally replace the MacBook. It's a productivity device where it's so intuitive. You essentially have all of your apps. You put the goggles on. You have all of your apps. You literally reach up and touch the app you want. You have a keyboard right here. You type. It, it connects perfectly. I, I've learned not to doubt Apple, right? It, it's just something that I don't do, and I genuinely think they're going to pull them off. They kind of look like weird, awkward, shitty ski goggles so i i hope they improve the design a little bit but i'm for sure gonna buy one i think i think it's awesome yeah so far the uh, feedback has been impressive especially if you compare it to like the oculus vr it's uh, tremendously better the programs and just the way you can actually do just regular programs too and from what i've heard the uh, the voice uh, typing that oh, yeah. you basically just tell it to do things and, and you know you know how good siri is i mean siri is so good at being able to listen to you and and uh, send a text message open something up make a call and so you think about that type of technology being inserted into a headset there and the other thing i've heard is is for entertainment it's really phenomenal too yeah it genuinely feels as though you're at a movie theater watching something on an imac like it's i'm excited for it exactly right all right guys that was our product mastery segment think about the products you want to create for your customers and clients and if you can make them parallel in some way shape or form in terms of over delivering value and being sleek and sexy and increasing people's status then you're going to be very successful selling your product ty tell us about our sports segment all right here we go sports segment i'm excited for the hot take uh criticism i get on these here we go all right the top five top five player cores in the nfl right now we're going to start out with what espn said right they they know all the stats and whatnot so espn said number one Kansas City Chiefs, and the core, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney. 
which they got two offensive linemen in there. Good, pretty good. Very good. All right. So number two, ESPN says, is the Cincinnati Bengals. They've got Joe Burrow. They've got Jamar Chase. They've got T. Higgins. They've got Trey Hendrickson. That's a defensive end, by the way. And they've got Orlando Brown at offensive tackle, newer addition. I was surprised we didn't see Joe Mixon in there, but mm. that's their five at number two. Number three, they put in here the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the core roster being Jalen Hurts, wide receiver A.J. Brown, offensive tackle Lane Johnson, who I think may go down as one of the greatest ever, outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, and cornerback Darius Slay. Mm. Uh, pretty solid squad. I'm shocked we don't even see Jason Kelsey in there. I was going to say, yeah, Kelsey's not in there. Yeah. Uh, number four for ESPN is the Miami Dolphins. The core roster is quarterback uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Waddell, Teron Armstead, which, again, I was pretty shocked we didn't see Xavier Howard in here. And if you redid this list in about a week, you'd see Dalvin Cook. Oh, that's going to be a big pickup if they grab him. Absolutely. And number five, based on ESPN, was Josh Allen, or the Buffalo Bills, excuse me, quarterback Josh Allen, Wide receiver Stefan Diggs, outside backer Vaughn Miller, Tredavious White at corner, and Matt Milano at linebacker. So I have a few issues with this, and I'm going to give you my list here in a minute. But truth be told, you look at that Buffalo Bills list and you say, okay, Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Tredavious White. Awesome. Matt Milano is a core five player, yet you had one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. Yeah, maybe he's a solid player, but if, if you're going to be a top-five core player, like, would Ray Lewis ever allow his team to be one of the worst teams against the run as an interior linebacker? It's, it's not going to happen. And even more beef than Matt Milano as one of your core five players, Leo Von Miller is very, very old and is coming off of a torn ACL. And he's, he's not staying healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if we never see a productive season out of Von Miller again. I, I love the guy. I oh, loved his career. competitor. But how is – how? I mean, you look at some of these NFL rosters, and you're throwing Buffalo on this list, and including Von Miller and Matt Milano. That one I wasn't okay with. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Tredavis White, phenomenal. But there are other teams with a better core five. So my list goes like this. I switch it up a little bit. I think the best core five we're looking at here is the Cincinnati Bengals. You've got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Trey Hendrickson, Orlando Brown. And you honestly, there's a few guys you could switch in on that list. Number two, I'm going with the Eagles. Same thing. There's a few guys that aren't listed right here that you could 100% throw in, mix and match with this list. Number three, I'm going to move them up one slot. And I honestly almost put them at number two because you look at these players, you know every single one of them, and every single one of these guys, except Tua, because Tua's got that health, you know, yeah. asterisk on him, but they are absolute stars. Number four is where I'm putting Kansas City because, again, I feel like, yes, Patrick Mahomes, yes, Travis Kelsey, but there's a bit of a drop-off from there. If it was core two, they're number one by a landslide, but we're talking about core five, so that's why I'm moving Kansas City down to four. And then this one was tricky for me. But Buffalo, when you look at their core five and compare it to these, my number five and the honorable, honorable mention, I don't think it's even close because of the drop-off after 
the top three players with Buffalo. So I made the final decision. I went with the 49ers at number five. They've got Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, who's the other current NFL player that may go down as the greatest tackle of all time. You've got one of the best running back in the NFL right now. You've got top three tight end with George Kittle. And then you've got the best interior linebacker in the NFL with Fred Warner. You look at the 49ers top five key players, all but maybe Kittle are literally the number one in their position ranks in the NFL. How are they leaving the 49ers out? Because a quarterback's not on that list. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my top five, uh, the same top five as you, just a little bit uh, different in terms of the the rankings. Number one, I would put up there Philadelphia. I mean, they were one turnover away from beating Kansas City in that Super Bowl, and I feel like it's going to be difficult for Kansas City to do better than they did last year, and I feel like Philadelphia is going to be a little bit better. So I put Philadelphia at one. I would put Kansas at number two. I'd probably put Cincinnati three and then Miami four and San Francisco five. And I do I do think the Chargers are probably, you know, next in line after that. But Buffalo it shouldn't be anywhere near there. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in, in final rankings they, they might be in the top ten. Yeah. Maybe. But if we're talking core players, like even even the Chargers, I'd absolutely put them above Buffalo. Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa. Uh, Rashawn Slater, Keenan Allen, and, and Derwin James. Like, that is the safety that's, whose name I couldn't remember core. that might go down yeah. as one of the best. Yeah, he's a good Looks one. like we got a comment, Jillian. What, yeah. do, what do we have yeah, here? We have two comments. Uh, from Casey, who said he was in number six, six on the article number one. And then David says. Wait, who's the number six? He won't finish top two in the division. Oh, the 49ers. Yeah, I can't believe the 49ers weren't on that list. I I think they're weighting the quarterback position as a core player pretty heavily. I think that's the only reason why the Niners were left out. When you look at top five core players just overall, if you weighted every position the same, that's what I was just saying. Those five that that we listed here for the 49ers literally are outside of Kittle, who's maybe number three at the tight end spot. They're all number one, number two in their position. So I... I agree on the 49ers one. Um, David, there's a reason why he was kicked out of the Fantasy Football League. He knows nothing about the uh, other teams <laughs> in the AFC East. So that absolutely, mm-hmm. there, there's no chance Miami doesn't finish one or two. I'm surprised Casey but, wasn't talking about the Cowboys. Or was he? Did they put the Cowboys at six in the article? The, the Cowboys were up there. I just, I'm not sold yet. I, I really like Dude, Parsons. when have you been? What, who has been sold on the Cowboys? I haven't been sold on the Cowboys since the Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin <laughs> days, bro. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I without looking at it, I'd probably say they went Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, maybe. No, Diggs. They, no way they went they, Pollard. They yeah, put Diggs. Diggs in there for Diggs. sure. I don't know who he's the a, fifth would be. He's it, a good guy getting turnovers. It's solid. Dak's probably not winning you a Super Bowl ever, though. So. I don't think so. Just not quite consistent enough, not quite nope. accurate enough, not quite enough of being able to read the defense. Agreed. Yeah. So there we have it. Uh, yeah, there there were some some good teams in the mix there. Jacksonville's another one. I really was impressed with their core five, but uh, I, I I stand by my word. Maybe move 49ers up one or two spots, but outside of that, I'm I'm just excited for this year. And everyone, cross your fingers. Dalvin Cook, let him go home. Let him go to Miami. You know what? I'm going to say something else, guys. Good news 
you know, the Sunday NFL ticket is not on DirecTV anymore. Goodbye, DirecTV. It's on YouTube TV. What excellent news that is. So go ahead and make sure you subscribe to that. And if you start looking overall at actually cable versus YouTube, like I'm starting to think, man, actually, I think YouTube might be better. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Well, go figure. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.